welcome to Connect, Engage, Collaborate, a podcast brought to you by the Tempe Police Department. I'm your host, Patricia Ramirez, and today I'm joined by a panel of guests. Can you please start off by introducing yourself, sir? Sure. My name is Andre Anderson, and I am the Executive Assistant Police Chief for the Tempe Police Department. Thank you. And how long have you been doing that, sir? Well, I've been doing it here for about 14 months. I've been in policing for about 34 years. So I've had an opportunity to serve as an executive uh, deputy police chief in Rochester, New York. And now I came from there as the uh, executive assistant police chief here in Tempe. Prior to that, I served 28 years with the uh, Glendale Police Department. And I also was the interim police chief in Ferguson, Missouri. Impressive. Thank you. And sir? I can't follow that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. So I'm Paul Bentley. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, I am the D- Deputy Community, uh, Community Health and Human Services Director for the City of Tempe. Been in that role for about six years now and working with folks in need and helping support them in many different functions through social services and working with nonprofits and so forth. Um, prior to that, uh, I've been a public servant for about 30 years. Uh, working in multiple departments and in multiple areas, including law enforcement uh, on the civilian side. And so working in crime analysis and records and uh, many other facets um, uh, that have been able to be supportive to law enforcement on the streets. And then also in human services at a time in a training development area and working on career development opportunities for staff and for multiple uh, areas of of the city uh, at that time in the city of Scottsdale. Thank you for that. I'm going to ask you a question that I believe applies to both of you. I'll start off first with you. And can you tell me what is the relationship between the police department and human services? Well, the relationship between the two groups is one that has been in place for many years, but recently has gotten stronger and stronger. Uh, We have um, over time, there's a, a group known as CARE 7, which is a crisis response team, or it really originated as a crisis response team that uh, social workers going out into uh, the community, um, serving those in need, typically starting off with a call to either the Tempe Fire, uh, Fire and Medical Rescue Department or the police department and working in partnership with them to provide social services needs. So again, that, that group has been in place for over 25 years. And in so doing, uh, they will go to uh, an instant and see whether or not there is someone that has been a victim of crime and help them through that process and also meet their basic needs or their family's needs. So that has been something that's been in place for a while. Um, In that, um, that partnership has grown. Uh, We work with these school resource officers in the schools with our youth specialists and providing behavioral support uh, with our kiddos in the schools and in the high schools. And we do that in partnership with the police department. In addition to that, we also have our homeless outreach group. And so we have folks that are going out into the community on a daily basis, 24-7 a day now, in which they are engaging folks who are experiencing homelessness, providing supportive services. But we do that in partnership with the police department in many cases for many different reasons. So those are some of the main touch points between the two departments as far as on the streets and what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. But we collaborate with the police department and other departments on a regular basis on larger initiatives initiatives that are impacting our community. Thank you for that. And Chief Anderson, can you also touch on that in terms of coming from the perspective of law enforcement and the relationship with human services? Absolutely. You know, for many years, uh, our police officers and our police profession 
has been tasked to work with human services, but quite frankly, we haven't done a really good job historically. Here in Tempe, we have a great relationship as we work with Paul in human services and CARE 7. It gives the police officers an opportunity to show who they really are. Our police department has a group of individuals that are caring and compassionate. Now, when you combine that with how we work with human services to respond in tandem to victims and needs, it really adds an element of support the community loves. And it's a type of policing that we endure as part of our community policing philosophy. So what we are doing is we're utilizing our Office of Community Policing team to work with CARE 7 and Human Services. And quite frankly, oftentimes we go out together to address some of the concerns we have, whether whether it be individuals that have suicidal ideations, we bifurcate that situation or we determine which is the best, which entity has the best response. Sometimes it may be human services and sometimes it's the police department, but we all work together in tandem to ensure that we provide the best response to our community members and to make sure that the community is safe, the officers are safe, and the individual we come into contact with is safe. And we're doing that in partnership with human services. Adding to that, it's also understanding what's being asked of the community and government nationally. I mean, in this conversation, there has been direct ask of government to provide the appropriate response to the appropriate need at the appropriate time. And in so doing, Tempe is doing that. The Tempe Police Department has been at the forefront saying, we, we get it, we understand it, and we want to be a partner in that. And so in that, they've been working with us in order to do just that, which is to actively address and identify what is needed and then responding in a way that the correct care is being provided at that time, whether it's a law enforcement officer or CARE 7 and a social worker or another nonprofit entity at the, you know, at the same time or independently. But that's something that Tempe is actively doing. They're not waiting. We're not waiting. It's being done and it's in place now. Oh, that's excellent. Tell me, Chief Anderson, have we always had this or would you say that this is uh, new and something that we've grabbed a hold of doing as a police department? And so can you give a little bit of history in terms of this relationship? Well, I wouldn't say that it is something that is not new. I would say that is something that we have honed in on and we've made it more structured. Uh, For many years, our law enforcement and police officers, to some degree, have been considered actually social workers without a degree because we deal with social issues. But what we had not done is integrated the professional human services, social workers to work with us that can provide a response that allows for us to improve our way to address community concerns. So what is new is the structure in the collaborative process we have as a team. And that is what is making things better for the community and better for the people we serve. A specific example with that as well is that um, over time, uh, our victim in human services, we have a victim services work group. And in that, they have partnered with the police department of connecting with those who've been victims of, cr- of crime and then assisting them again with Uh, basic needs, whether it's food, shelter, um, an ability to connect to other family members and so forth, but as as well, walking them through the justice system in a way that makes sense to them and supports them. And so 
as a separate entity that was provided. And then over time, the Tempe Police Department opened up their doors and from, you know, from a human services setting, is there a better way that we can provide these services and, and support the needs of the community, those positions, some of those positions were then embedded within the police department and working side by side on a daily basis. That then is evolving again to a new iteration where we have just implemented a family advocacy center in the city of Tempe, first of its kind in Tempe. It's, it's a national model that's been in place. The time is now in Tempe, but this is a facility in which you will have victim advocates, you will have uh, crisis responders, you will have counselors, you will have trauma therapy being offered, as well as law enforcement investigators who are appropriately being able to respond to individuals' needs at a, at a space that is intended for healing. And again, it's that iterative approach that Chief Anderson was just talking about is, is that how are we evolving to strengthen those partnerships between both the departments and the care that we're providing? And, you know, what's really important about our approach is that all of this starts with leadership. So when you talk about the city leadership from our city manager and our council and our mayor, they place a great emphasis on working together in order to address our community needs. And so some of the innovative approaches that we're using is we're using what we are implementing what we call neighborhood ambassadors as well as community responders. And the neighborhood ambassadors are non-sworn, unbadged, no firearm police employees that work specifically with human services, and they go out and they communicate with the people in the public to address their specific needs. They provide resources, they work with human services, they talk to individuals in the community, and then they provide a response that is non-traditional and received very well. And it has a great deal to do with the leadership, the city government, as well as our police chief. Would you be able to provide an example in terms of uh, the neighborhood ambassadors and how they have made a difference for us? Sure. So some examples are for neighborhood ambassadors are, keep in mind, they are part of a community-oriented policing function. So what they do is they'll walk with a police officer in a walking beat, for lack of a better term, where there are individuals that we know need services. Some of those individuals may need housing needs. Some may be veterans. Some may be women that have been, dis that have been displaced, things of that nature. The examples we have is our officers going out, making contact with individuals, then working with human services and the police officers, and we provided resources for so many people in the community to assist them with whatever needs they have. And that's what we do. But we do that, and they have a geographic area and a response where we know that there are areas where there are disenfranchised people that need assistance, and we utilize them to help in those areas. Those connections are being made on a daily basis. And as an example, city government is intended to serve the community as a whole, the whole community. And those needs vary from individual to individual, and it's complex. But in that, we are collaboratively working together to be able to meet the needs of many at one time. So specifically to this example is that we have individuals that are working within our downtown 
that are attempting not only to um, meet the, the needs of the businesses as providing a, a safe and healthy place for all of us to be, but in that, making a direct connection with these positions to our human services folks as well, so that individuals in need of some form of service, whether they're unsheltered and needing connectivity to a shelter or connectivity to um, specific resources to assist them in becoming housed, those connections are being made organically in a way that is serving the community as a whole at the individual level, as well as in general. So it's a stronger community I'm hearing that we're making. And tell me, how many neighborhood ambassadors do we have currently? Currently, we have two neighborhood ambassadors and a total of eight community responders. So we are looking at the possibility of actually getting more of them. But right now, we have them actually placed in the locations where we feel they're best suited for the community. Thank you. So can you tell me what's the main approach when it comes to quality of life issues? And I'll start with you. That's a big question. <laughs> the, the main approach to quality of life from, a, from community health and human services, it's first identifying the needs of the community. And so, you know, not to be too drawn out in that in the response is that there are specific research that's done needs assessments that are conducted on a consistent basis that help inform us as to what are the needs of the community. And those needs assessments are either specifically focusing on those that use social services to identify what those needs are to general uh, survey questions through the city's um, citizen survey that's conducted on a regular basis to help inform us of what is happening in our community that we can gather from formal means, such as these types of research projects, but also our day-to-day -day operations and the data that we're collecting from our engagements on a regular basis that inform us of who are we serving, when are we in, in serving individuals, what type of services being provided, began to help inform us of what is needed so that we have initiatives and we have uh, processes in place to meet that need. And that that, you know, you, anecdotally, you'll hear instances of an individual that just um, completed their incarceration. They have found themselves in our city and their connectivity to the city is very limited to none and in need of some form of support and help. And human services is that connection for individuals that don't know where to go, don't know what is is available to them to, to either Care 7 or a homeless outreach or even through our community um, supervision area, which is focusing their efforts on those who are justice involved and those who have been justice involved in order to help assist identifying that individual's need, but from the general research, having plans in place to meet that expectation when it's met. And so kind of broad brush and response, but the, but it's a complex question because there's so many different um, levels within our city of need based on the community that you're speaking to. But our intention, you know, unlike some some work groups are very focused on what they do. This is what we do. This is how we do it. This is how we get it done. Human services, policing, it's not like that because our intention is to serve the community as a whole. And therefore, we need to have opportunity and options for the whole community. And that includes individuals who are unsheltered, those who are housed, those who are uh, victims of domestic violence, those who are just trying to get through school. All of those are components of our human services um, continuum of service. And in that, we work with our partners, whether it's the police department very strongly, community services, which is parks and recreation, and, and many other things, and, and, and our nonprofit partners as well, because they are serving in our community. And in that, 
sometimes, many times, it makes very good sense to make sure that we're making those connections as well to further bolster what resources may be available to a child, to a senior, to someone with a disability, um, et cetera. Yes. I, and, and I really uh, appreciate that approach because we're working together with respect to how we're dealing with quality of life issues. I think uh, from the police department side, when we look at quality of life, we look at those issues that have a direct impact on the community members, the victims, the citizens that live in our community. And their quality, quality of life is important for us because let me give some examples. Quality of life for some citizens, quite frankly, is that they want to live in a home where they're free of a lot of noise. Perhaps someone has a loud band or something that is interrupting their sleep. That is interfering with their quality of life. Perhaps they want to go to the park where they want to be free of individuals that are committing crimes or disorderly or doing things that create problems for their kids that are frequenting the park. Or it could be issues where people are speeding through a residential neighborhood and they have their children or other people that want to walk or ride their bikes and it impacts their quality of life. Those are issues that the police department are very concerned about. So our Office of Community Policing will sometimes work to actually provide a plan of action in order to address quality of life issues. They use what's called the SARA model, and it is scanning, analyzing, creating a response, and then assessing. We also use our traffic unit, and we also use a number of different entities throughout the police department. But every police officer is called to be a community-oriented police officer. So we really pay attention to the quality of life of our citizens, and then we respond to those citizens by addressing those concerns with a victim-oriented response. The beauty of that is that not only is that the philosophy of the police department serving the community in that frame, is that there are tools that they have in order to meet that need and initiatives that they have. At the same time, there is that ability to partner with us and others to enhance that response even further. From, from the human services perspective, when that handoff occurs, we have the ability from our housing services area to ascertain whether or not there are some housing programs that are available for an individual or a family and a family in need, which is, you know what, we're having, we're having a hard time. We need some assistance. We can do this, but we can't do that. Can someone help us? And our housing services area has the ability to make those connections. At the same time, you may have a family that has arrived. They're unsheltered. They don't know where they can be. And we have shelter options. Again, as you mentioned, Dre, is that we as a city are very lucky to have mayor and council that support many initiatives. Some of those being the actual um, acquisition and running of emergency shelter that are city based here in the city. We have other partners that we work with as far as um, what is known as congregate shelter, which is the typical shelter where you have a space where you'll see mats or cots where many individuals are in one space at one time. But the city not only has that opportunity, but has chosen to financially um, purchase and implement what is known as non-congregate shelter, where you have an individual or family having their own unit to live in as they're working with us towards some form of housing option, a housing plan. All of those are options, again, as as um, the police department is making their connections and, and following through on their philosophies of the using the Sarah model, the community policing com components. But in that, the connectivity to human services understands that, respects that, honors it, and at the same time is able to help advance that by making further connections throughout the community. Another key, key component with this is Paul and I 
and many other entities throughout the department, uh, whether it be code enforcement or other areas, parks and recs, we have been called to community meetings. And the community themselves have made it aware of what their concerns are, what quality of life issues impact them. In doing so, we've had our deputy city managers and our mayor and others come to those community meetings and they'll talk about those quality of life issues. But we do more than listen. We want to hear those concerns. And then we come back to the table. Paul and many other entities throughout the organization will listen, develop a plan, and then we follow up and then we address those quality of life issues in order to carve out a better response and feeling that the police department human services, and the entire city are working in tandem to address concerns for the community members. And as humans, as residents, typically what happens in those first meetings, the the original meeting that we're asked to respond to, typically the ask is for council or council members, members from the city manager's office and the police department to be there. Typically that's the first ask. That's who we want to be there. And internally, those doors get opened up to other departments to be there as well. And and the point I'm trying to make is that many folks, when you go to that first meeting, are wanting to know what are the police officers doing? What is the police department doing in order to fix this, this concern, in order to ensure that my family is safe, that we are safe? And it's very focused on that because that's what most of us as residents know, which is I don't feel safe. What are the police officers doing? What's happening? But in that, the Tempe, city of Tempe, the expectation is it goes beyond that. And so the police department is there. They are always there. But in that, have opened up that door with the city manager's office so that you also have human services at the table, code enforcement, engineering, community development, and that those meetings, while the initial ask is of what is the police department doing, we proactively, as a city, bring in other stakeholders to those meetings and have the initial conversation. Again, quickly, it's like, what is human services and what do you do? But the first thing is, what are you doing to solve my concern of safety? But as Jay is mentioning, we go back and we go back. And in that, those conversations start moving away from what's happening from the police department, what is happening with that store on the corner? What is coming from an economic development perspective? How is human services making an impact? How can we support human services and volunteerism and so forth? And that there's an evolution, or at least I think what we've seen over the last year and a half with this, again, enhanced focus of moving away from just you looking at things as a police response, but to a city response, a community response, and an an evolution that it takes many more hands. It takes a community to impact some of these concerns in a way that makes most sense and that the city is open to doing that. And it really does. And tell me, so I thank you, you both are in very uh, responsible, big positions in terms of how, what we are doing in this new, in this relationship. Can you tell me, I'm, and so we've spoken professionally, but can you tell me personally, how has this impacted you? So I'm asking at the end of the week, when you drive away and you leave and you've planted these positive seeds, what does that mean for you personally? I have the opportunity to live in Tempe. Um, Been here as a resident for about eight years. I graduated from ASU. And so I've I've been in the community um, as a student. I've been in the community actually as an intern for the police department uh, many years ago. And then as a resident and continuing to work here, 
is that the investment of what we do is a professional investment. At the same time, it's a personal investment because this is my family's community. And so the work that we do, going to the third community meeting with the same community and hearing the conversation change because the city has stepped up, the police department, human services, economic development, you name it, in order to answer the questions of the community in a way that is clear, to show metrics as to what's being done and in seeing those conversations transform of partnership, future focus, that is very, that feels very good in simple terms, feels very good. And so you're going home on a Friday, but understanding that your Friday really isn't a Friday in, in these roles. It turns into Saturday, it turns into Sunday, um, but it's because we want to be there and we want to serve and that's what's important. But it's in that it's internalizing of, of ownership of the community, not as I own this or I own that, but as, as far as I am part of being responsible for what this community is and through my work, I can do that at the same time in partnership. But at the same time as a community member, I get to feel the benefits of that um, as I'm going shopping, you know, going to a park with my family, whatever that might be. Thank you, Paul, for sharing that. And Chief Anderson, if uh, you could please also tell me personally, what is the impact to you? First of all, I've seen firsthand talking to Paul, uh, being a living in this community, and we've had candid conversations about how he feels about his personal relationship with Tempe. And so that's an authentic and very genuine statement that he's making. For me uh, personally, I, I believe I've been called to serve. That is always, I have a family of service. That's what my wife and my family and my kids do. That's what we do. So personally, I feel really good when we're able to assist people in need. And that's why I became a police officer, not to arrest people, not to enforce crime. That is the means to address things. But really, it is called to, we are called to serve and help people. And on a personal note, uh, on top of that is that really, I came from a community that was quite frankly disenfranchised. And many times it didn't seem as if the police department really cared a lot about the people in that community. So that was another reason why I became a police officer. And so when you work in Tempe, you have a community of police officers, human services, parks and recs, code enforcement, city government, engineering, the list goes on and on. And you feel and you can see that people care. But the most important thing to me is the rank and file. It is the police officers, the detectives that are on the road, they care. And so personally having an opportunity to lead them, but learn from them and seeing how they care about the community, that makes me feel good. And it creates a passion that causes me myself to work even harder because I work for the community and the community cares and works for us as well. So Chief Anderson had the opportunity at the beginning of this to introduce himself he talked about his experience and where he's come from and in his background, his family, and in that as well, talking about his experience. And actually, you didn't talk about your experience. You mentioned that you've been in Ferguson and supported Ferguson and supported the Ferguson community. And in that, um, we at Tempe have had some significant initiatives that we've had to work on. 
um, specifically focusing and providing support to those who are unsheltered are, are those experiencing homelessness and, and focusing on that from a public safety and health perspective and providing the uh, resources and meeting the needs of this community. And in many communities, there's a, there's a statement of what are the police doing, right? And in that, the partnership that we've had with the police department as a whole, but also with Chief Anderson in that has been phenomenal in, in making sure that we keep focused on what is most important, which is serving. He lives that. And I mean that in a way of experience and that we, in these initiatives, he has been at the forefront of saying, I am here as a resource and a guide, but also as a mentor and teacher. And we have taken advantage of that in a way to make sure that what we are doing is, again, focused on the community, those who we serve and their needs first and foremost from a human services perspective. And then what is necessary beyond that, whatever that may be, follows. And that voice is coming from the police department first and foremost. And it's coming through Chief Glover. It's coming through his staff, including Chief Anderson. Thank you. I would hope that we are an example for another city and very proud of, of your work. Tell me, uh, Chief Anderson, what are the plans for crime prevention through an environmental plan? Well, we have a number of plans, and I will tell you that we have a, an exceptional leadership team there with Chief Josie Montenegro, as well as Chief Kathy, Kathy Masters. They both work with me, and we all work for Chief Glover. So when we look at our plan to address crime, it is a very holistic approach. Uh, it involves us using our our community uh, community leaders to actually talk to us about how they envision us addressing crime. In that, we've created plans, plans to have walking beat officers to walk and talk to community members in downtown. We've utilized the plan in order to embrace our bike patrol officers to incorporate community policing. We also have incorporated specialized teams to respond to crimes in progress quickly. We are looking at a real-time crime center, and we're also envisioning a number of different proactive policing practices, predictive policing, looking to obtain an, at the analytical approach to be able to predict where crime occurs and respond, respond before it occurs. We have a number of different plans. We also have restorative policing that we work with our school resource officers where we are able to address some of the youth and actually talk to them about some of the things they do and get them on the right track before they get on and get in a system or a pipeline that allows for them to be arrested, convicted and placed in prison. So there are a number of things that we're doing with crime by being proactive, but as well as using utilizing community policing. But again, we have an exceptional executive team that's working in tandem to address our crime, but recognizing crime cannot be solved by just the police department. It is clearly a holistic approach that allows for us to work with all of our community partners, as well as entities throughout the department and the city and the organization in order to address crime. So can you please share with me what can the different communities of Tempe do to work in tandem with human services and the police department? Well, it had to be a, a voice to the community. I think what's important for us is to recognize that the police department cannot develop any plans without actually embracing and involving the community in plans. 
So when you have Block Watch and you have a number of neighborhood associations and you have community members that have and embrace their own community meetings that invite us to those meetings to discuss challenges and things they would like to see, there, there are steps. But using our volunteer services in order to address some of the concerns that the community has, there's a myriad of different things that we can do that call for us to work in tandem with the community that also call for us to use other entities throughout the department to come together when we're at meetings to actually assess the concerns. But I would say that it is some of the traditional meetings, but again, there's coffee with a cop, right? And there's just the personal sit down conversation with a community member where you talk about issues, they, they provide you feedback, there isn't any agenda. Uh, those are the best meetings. And that's how you really get to the crux of issues that are taking place. I work on the same floor that you are on, and you are here often many long hours. And I see you out in the community. Can you share what those, uh, what that working relationship is like and give us some success stories along the way? The working relationship for me, as you, as you know, Trish, is, is 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 business, but quite frankly, I spend a lot of time kind of maybe like a comedian at times, or at least I try to call myself that, right? Because really at the end of the day, I want everyone to have fun, right? I want the job to get done, but I just want I want us to also come to work, feel good about the job, right? Feel good about what we're doing for our families and feel good about what we're doing in the community. And it does sometimes call us to work long hours, primarily because there is a lot of work to do and it calls for us to be in the community and listen to our constituents and other people at different times. Sometimes people have a need to communicate with you at eight or nine o'clock at night and sitting at home on your couch is not going to cut it. So I have to come in and I have to have those personal conversations with members of the community. Some examples that I can think of, or at least one, is that we had a community member that was having a difficult time in her community with, quite frankly, many of the students and the loud music and the parties. And, you know, you think about that because although I'm kind of an older guy right now, right, I got children that have gone to college. And, of course, I went to college. And I can remember those days, right, where you have a good time. But perhaps maybe you're having too good of a time. And this was one of those events or concerns where a community member had called numerous times. In fact, the mayor had gone out there, the deputy city manager had gone out there, and it really had gotten out of control because this citizen had an elderly family member that could not rest because of the parties and things of that nature. So what that call is for myself, members of our organization, our lieutenants, our police officers, our Office of Community Policing, to all come out and address some of those concerns by actually dealing with the homeowner, making them aware that they had individuals, young people that were partying, working with Arizona State University, who was very responsive and worked with us, not only the administration, but as well as the police department, and then just getting out and educating the young people to talk to them specifically about their behavior. And I did. I actually talked to one of the young men that was organizing the issue, and we just had a heart-to-heart -heart talk. 
And it made a couple of calls to his dad uh, because I'm a dad. And I don't think his dad knew what was going on. And we had that conversation in order, modif- in order to modify the behavior. And it actually worked. So we didn't, in this instance, have to take too much enforcement. But it was really a conversation with the young people, the owner, the dad, and getting everybody involved and actually creating a better quality of life for our citizens. What a great example of how we work today in law enforcement and how we work with human services in the community. And so I thank you for sharing that and both of you. And uh, I had one thing, absolutely, please, please do. And so in, in your question of how can the community help in our public service, right, as public servants, and in that um, there are not only ways within the police department, but also with our community health and human services department, we have volunteer programs. We have internship programs. Um, if you are interested in, in being one of our team members as a crisis responder, either as an intern or a volunteer, going out on calls with in partnership with our Tempe Fire Medical Rescue Department or our police department to help serve, those opportunities are there. We provide clinical therapy within, you know, as counseling services within our department. And there are opportunities for internships or soon to be new opportunities for internships there. Our homeless outreach and engagement is looking as well for interns and volunteers, for individuals that are interested in going out and being in the community and having one-on-one engagements with individuals to help meet their needs. And so there are many ways for, again, volunteerism, um, internship opportunities, as well as the community meetings that are held, uh, being present, uh, speaking about uh, wh- how you as a community member see our community and providing that input to us is extremely important in helping us determine what our needs are for the community and what we, we should be providing for. So if someone wanted to be involved, and there's what I'm hearing is there are so many different ways to also be a part of this partnership and be a part of the community and with law enforcement. How does a person look into any of those uh, roles or become a member of those roles? One of the easiest ways is that we do have a care and hope line, which is really dedicated for those in need at that time. But if you're having difficulty, the number is 480 480- Three five zero eight zero zero four. If you're wanting to speak with a member of the Community Health and Human Services Department that help, can help guide you, if you're interested specifically in homeless solutions, there's an email address. is really simple: hope at tempe.gov. H O P E at tempe.gov is another way to connect with us directly. Uh, there are many many eyes that are looking at that email, providing responses. In addition, our Tempe Community Council, which is a which is a nonprofit but closely tied to the city of Tempe in regards to having city staff and an executive director uh, that is a city staff member um, that provides support to that community, they on an annual basis conduct a, a, a a service known as Agency Review, which is about $1.2 million in grant funds are made available. And you can volunteer to be one of those reviewers of those grants through Tempe Community Council and provide service. And so there's many ways. And oh, so in wonderful. that, um, and also there's always a fail safe, our, our uh, 480 
350-4311, which is Tempe 311. And Tempe 311 is that one number that anyone can contact in which they will guide you to the right source for you to get the information you need or for you to be able to communicate your desire to serve, whether as an intern, a volunteer, or as a community member, however that might be. Thank you for that. And as we are wrapping up here, I just thank you for the open dialogue and for all the wealth of information that you've shared and for both of you for the enthusiasm that you have and uh, really just planting those positive seeds for our community. So I thank you. Thank you. Thank you.